Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, BK, and alongside me this week, uh, back from his uh, brief sabbatical in the in the wilderness, is uh, Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I actually got a good shower in. I got some deodorant on for the first time in four days, which uh, is fantastic. And came back to find out that the uh, the Reds won two or three while I was gone, so that's uh, good news. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually looked pretty decent, so... And uh, but that brings me to uh, who who the Reds played this week brings me to our special guest this week. Um, he you know him from McCarvey Chronicles and SBNation.com. We have uh, Grant Brisby in the house. Grant, I'm, how are you? I'm doing very very well. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic, fantastic. So um, let's just kind of go into um, just a brief recap of uh, the Reds' week. Oh, uh, I thought you. Uh, in my email, I said I wasn't going to talk about the the Reds and the Giants series. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Awkward. No, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. I'm 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 strong. I've got uh, some of leather. Come hey, on. Buster Posey's hitting home runs again, though. That's a good <laughs> thing, right? He is. Um, he it's it's he's been like in a weird power funk, but uh, he's hitting home runs again. So yes, that is a positive. Thank you for bringing up the positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh god and brandon crawford's coming back too soon too which in theory should help a lot right yeah i mean brandon crawford is he's a fantastic player he was off to a little bit of a slow start uh but it's like it's almost like the giants have gone into this this fog and he hasn't been there and i've just like kind of assumed he's been there and like i keep forgetting he's on the dl uh, but it's like, you know, cause he didn't start on the deal. He started on the bereavement list uh, because right. his sister-in-law passed away, which is just a horrible story. And then like that transitioned into the DL because he's strange as groin in his last game. So it's like this weird fog where the giants are in it. And I, I think Brandon Crawford's like a part of it, but he's not, he's, he's coming back and he's really good. And the giants actually have a couple good players and I, it's, it's easy to forget that. What fascinates me right now with the Giants, especially given like my Reds goggles I've got on looking at them, um, they seem to be almost the exact opposite of what the Reds are at this moment. And I'm not talking just records. I'm talking about the fact like the Reds have uh, a core that's been healthy on the field on offense, has produced quite well, and a starting pitching staff that is holy hell god awful. Uh, whereas the Giants have actually, I think they've logged the second most innings pitched uh, by their starting pitchers. And the only reason I know that is because I've had to look up to find out how few the red starting pitchers have actually thrown, uh, but their offense has been completely in the tank. Specifically, their outfield. Um, and like how 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 comparable can those two teams be? Almost as kind of an inverse right now, because it looks like that's kind of what it, what's happening. See, that's weird because I I didn't know about the innings pitched. All I've been focused on is that the Giants were last in the uh, National League in adjusted OPS. And they were last in the National League in adjusted ERA plus or ERA. So like they have been bad hitting and they've been bad pitching. And the fact that their starting pitchers are giving them innings, it kind of rings true. Like Johnny Cueto will be pitching and then he'll like burp up five runs and then he'll be fine. Jeff Samarja will pitch, he'll burp up six runs and he'll be fine. Matt Moore will pitch and he'll burp up eight runs and he'll burp up another two more but he'll be mostly <laughs> fine i mean so it's like these guys are they, they're not complete idiots like they're not just like guys like why is this guy in the majors you understand it but they're still the results are, are, are poor 
Uh, whereas the offense is just that's another story. That is, I mean, I'm looking at the the Reds. I've pulled up their their uh, baseball reference page, and under this column, all right, this column the header is S L G, right? Okay, it's S L G, and you guys have guys with like fives, like it's like a point five. It's I think it's slugging, and I'm making air quotes. So like <laughs> Zach Cozart has a five eighty slugging. Eugenio Suarez has a, a five seventy nine. Adam do that can't be the same. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. so he's got like a five seventy nine. So like you've got like Scott Shabler, Scooter Jeanette, uh, as many. I mean Al- Al- Alcantara, like they're they're all slugging. And the Giants have nothing like that. Like, I, um, they don't have a three-run home run this year, like at all. Wow. It's, it's it's the middle of May. They they have one grand slam, but you know they just don't hit home runs. They don't hit for power. And part of that's the ballpark, but at the same time, I'm looking at the Reds, and I mean, they're. I I actually thought the Reds were going to be abominable this year, and. I guess I didn't anticipate Cozart going for like a thousand OPS or you know, I, <laughs> yeah. silly me, but. Um, <laughs> That that that's the biggest goal between the teams. The Reds might not be pitching a little bit, but the the Reds can certainly hit. Yeah, I, I will throw the caveat in: the, the Reds have played twenty two of their thirty three games in Great American Ballpark. So, uh, yeah. as many of those uh, numbers that like I look up and I want to be so happy about, um, I, I do kind of try to temper those a little bit because, uh, especially sure. especially some of the guys that that uh, uh, that we've mentioned, they have had. Well, as most everybody does, pretty drastic splits once they get once they get out of Great American Ballpark. But yeah, it's been like the offense. I think probably has been for the Reds specifically the one thing about this entire uh, this whole unit uh, that has surprised me the most this year. And it's not because the guys themselves that are doing it are the ones surprising me, uh, Cozart aside, uh, but the fact that it's been so much more pronounced uh, than even their top end projections would suggest. I mean, Ingenio Suarez is. You know, a guy who I think a lot of us have been high on for several years, uh, but didn't exactly expect him to be a thousand OPS guy. We were kind of hoping for like what Anthony Rendon has produced so far. You know, give me like an eight twenty OPS and play some solid defense. That'd be okay. Uh, but he's hitting like a superstar. And Zach Cozart, Zach Cozart's doing kind of like uh, uh, the Brandon Crawford uh, uh, glove first into guy who can actually hit two uh, right. reincarnation, and he's doing it at age thirty on a bum knee. Uh, which is the craziest part about it. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Reds are going to try to ride that as far as they can get them, assuming that uh, – it well, their their current starting rotation consists of three guys uh, after optioning uh, rookie Davis down to the minors. They've got 40-year-old Bronson Arroyo, who hasn't pitched for two and a half years, uh, Scott Feldman, who was signed to be a reliever, and Tim Edelman, who's 29 and spent a year and a half in Indy League ball. And that's their starting rotation right now, uh, which which is completely absurd. <laughs> No, that's. I mean, it's uh, Scott Feldman yeah, is the uh, second most famous guy to go to my high school. I don't know if you know that. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> who's number one? Well, I, I mean, who's number, uh, who's number, okay, who's, who's number three? Who's number three? Yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. Number one's uh, uh, Mark Benioff of Salesforce, like a very rich man, very powerful man. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, but I have one. I have one uh, member of the Cincinnati Reds lineup. In my on my fantasy team, I'd like you to guess which member of the Cincinnati Reds I have on my fantasy team. All right, can can I can I ask one question about your fantasy team? Yes. Before guessing, yes. What what place is your fantasy team in so far this season? Always last every year. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Jose Peraza. Yes. Oh, there we go. Because I've, I've yes. got him too. I've got him too. That's, 
That's the that. one red I have. So this offensive explosion <laughs> passing. Yeah, he has been uh, mercifully spared from all of the good fortune that has been, even especially that um, the game. Uh, there was like a fourteen to two game over the weekend, which I I ended up actually going down to the ballpark and and checking it out. There's like but a couple of them, but who's everyone, down? but yeah, <laughs> but everyone in that game was just raking, like the whole way down the lineup. And if we if you go back and look at that box score and see what uh, Jose Peraza did, zero for five. Oh, fantastic! Like, man, that guy cannot catch a break right now. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's how it is. So, like, when I'm drafting, I, I tend to draft a lot of Dodgers because I figure, you know what? If they screw up, it's funny. And if they <laughs> just, if they dominate the Giants, it's funny. Like, it's any any other way you, you cut it. Like, it's it's worse. Like, I've got Brandon Bell to my team, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you're a buffoon. Um, you know, what are you doing swinging at that? And But the Dodgers, like, I draft them, and if they're great, they're great. And and so that that's my strategy. So in a situation like Peraza where the dreadful – they scored 31 runs in a three-game series, and it's like he did nothing. And I just, I just wanted to shave his eyebrows. Like, <laughs> come on, give, give me something. <laughs> well, at least, at least he finally shaved his awful sans mustache beard too. So uh, he's had that going for him finally. Oh, that's funny. Like we mentioned Peraza, and like obviously he's like the the youngest, most recent. Um, high-profile prospect that the Reds have kind of like shuffled into the majors offensively um, in this rebuild that's gone on for God that seems like three years and God knows how many awful recaps I've written in the process. Um, but what the Reds really have uh, to boast at this moment is a lot of like I don't want to say they're accidents, uh, but they're really kind of good finds from what the previous regime uh, really kind of this. I don't want to say they discovered, but they 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 gave an opportunity to. And that's kind of what the Reds are riding right now. Like, as far as they got is, uh, uh, I don't want to say a throw-in because, it, you know, Jonathan Crawford was a first-round pick uh, who was injured. But when they traded Alfredo Simon, they got per, uh, Suarez for, you know, for basically nothing for a half-season renewal of Alfredo Simon. He wasn't a top 100 prospect. He was a young guy who they liked, but he wasn't exactly on a lot of prospect radars. Uh, Adam Duvall, obviously, you know, who was kind of the throw-in for the Mike Leake trade. Uh, Scott, right. Scott Shevler was the second piece of the Jose Peraza deal. And those three guys are kind of, I mean, alongside Joey Votto, obviously, uh, those guys have kind of formed the core of a, a great offense through the first 33, 34 games of this year. And, you know, when the Reds embarked on this rebuild, uh, they started bringing in a lot of prospects, obviously, because they traded like 13 guys. Um, but those three guys weren't exactly the guys who headlined any of it. And they're kind of the guys who are turning out to be what looks to be the bulk of the offense of this team. And I think that's part – I mean, I, you underestimated it. I, I sure as hell underestimated it when they got him back. Um, but it kind of seems like that might be something that might be Walt Jockney's last legacy of transitioning from GM is bringing in a lot of guys that people mm. really overlooked. I, I would agree with that. And then I would also add one more thing. I mean, it's with that peraza Shebler trade, uh, everyone like – thought the Reds got pantsed. Like, they looked at yeah. them trading Todd Frazier and everyone, wow, the Reds, what are they doing? You know, and they, they they traded him too late. They should have traded him at the deadline. They look at what they got back. I'd rather have what the Dodgers got. It, it was There was a lot of that stuff. Uh, but no, they, they've kind of come into their own and started proving themselves. But while that might reflect well on Jockety, and it certainly can, it also should reflect on the current 
operations team, the coaching staff that's there right now, it's hard to separate the chicken and the egg with that one because if they came over as this lump of clay and now they're these fully formed hitting statues, that that might just bode as well for the Reds' future as anything, any possible sign you can get. Like, okay, so if they traded for Jan Moncada and he's awesome, great. You you got the the blue chip prospect and now he's awesome like everyone expected to be, big whoop. But in this, it's almost like more impressive. Like they they had this one kind of really thin needle to to either needle to, to kind of go through, and they did it, and they came out on the other side doing doing some impressive stuff. So just to bring up those guys like Suarez, Duvall, Shevler, it, it's an impressive haul for something that they weren't necessarily uh, um, expecting to get. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of when you're a small market team like the Reds, I think that's kind of what you have to do, right? Where you have to find the Adam Duvall who, you know, doesn't really look like more than a fourth outfielder, and you have to kind of groom him and give him a chance and let him let him impress you and let him like figure it out. Where <laughs> whereas a bigger market team doesn't have that luxury, you know, or it, doesn't have that need, I guess. And right. that's exactly right. I, I, I don't get mad about the Giants trading Adam Duvall. He was not going to get a fair shake. He, you know, he's 28, right. he's 28 now, and he was going to get the Mac Williamson treatment where he's up for a little bit. If he's not hitting for two weeks, he's back down. He's up. It's, it's what mm. is he not doing compared to what is he doing right and I don't think he was ever going to get a fair shake, and especially in that ballpark. I think Great American's a little bit more tailored to to his power game than than AT&T Park would have been. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. That's not one that sticks in my craw. It's I would love to see what he would do with the Giants right now. Don't get me wrong; he's like right-handed power, and I I think right-handed power plays a little bit better at AT&T Park. Oh, I I don't think I know it plays a lot better at AT&T Park. So I'd love to see what he could do. At the same time, I don't think he was ever going to get that just pure here you go kid shot that he got with the Reds, and, and he thrived with it. Yeah, and it, it, what stands out to me about like that specific like that dynamic is I look up and I see Chris Marrero and Gorky Hernandez and Drew Stubbs, Drew Stubbs, uh, Jared, <laughs> and, Jared, and Jared Parker, guys who were you know uh, uh, late twenties, early thirties, kind of journeyman guys uh, who are kind of patrolling the Giants outfield right now. So it's like there's the perfect fit for a would-be Adam Duvall there. And with Shebler's case, like, you know, Andrew Tolles tore his ACL, apparently, and is out for the season now. Uh, on oh, my either- fantasy team. Yeah, nice. Inevitably, inevitably. inevitably. (laughs) I'm going to be that guy. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) But you look at LA and Tolls is now hurt, and they they let Howie Kendrick go for a song uh, uh, to to go to the Phillies. And, um, you know, Andre Ether is still hurt. And the the once depth uh, fueled outfield of uh, of Los Angeles now could really kind of use a guy like Scott Shebler. So um, both of those teams kind of traded from initial needs. Uh, where the Reds really didn't need to have those guys in, but brought them in because uh, I think they had like the opportunity to give them a chance to to flourish without being blocked by anybody else, and that's panned out fantastically. And yeah, that that there's a, obviously there's a there's a shitload of luck that goes into doing that, but I think the Reds were kind of uniquely positioned to be that team that had shed so many forty man roster guys by trading all these people away that they could kind of just bring them in and, and, and sort through once they got them. And it's given them the opportunity to have a lot of guys that might be late peak guys, um, which has been uh, more or less what's, what's kind of fueling 
the 18 and 15, here we are talking about the Reds like there's some juggernaut. We're, we're 33 games in. Uh, but they have at least shown that they've got the ability to be a new core going forward. And by God, since we've watched the entire team just like get flipped over for the last three or four years, it's exciting to see that some of those moves that they made are actually starting to work out a little bit. Yeah, I, I, w- I, wouldn't, I don't blame you. That is I – mean, it- to get just a core where you're looking at it and these guys might be a part of the next good Reds team. This might be the next good Reds team. I mean, I, um, did, did you guys read when I, so every year I take every over under given by Bovada and yeah. I try and like, and I try and write about, okay, which one is the one you're going to put your money on, which over under total. So they'll have the Dodgers at 92 wins. Are they going to win more? Are they going to win fewer? And I looked at all 30 teams in the Reds. I don't remember what, but it was like uh, 72 wins. I think it was 72, like, yeah. And I said, nah, they can't win 72. Forget it. They, <laughs> there's just no way. I'm looking at the roster. I'm looking at the depth chart. It's like they got Zach Cozart starting at shortstop for Christ. You know, so it's like that was my pick. I picked the Reds as my number one pick to be worse than Vegas was predicting to be. And so I didn't see this coming, but it, now you're looking at it, and yeah, okay, I mean they they've got power. They they've got these guys, this this latent power that's coming, that's that's developing later, like Deval and Shevler. Um, I, I always liked Peraza and Hamilton for different reasons. I mean they're they're similar speed players, but uh, I thought that they were going to be under underrated and maybe come into their own a little bit later. And it's all sort of happening now and it, it's it's fun to watch and and if they can get some luck with that rotation with Garrett or, or um, Finnegan I mean if they can get any sort of kick in the pants there that would be great but um, everything's going out a lot better for Cincinnati than I thought it would be yeah undoubtedly um to to pitching uh I so we've mentioned kind of the dichotomy between uh, where where Giants pitchers are and the Reds pitchers are at this moment in time. Um, the Reds right now, knock on wood, because I don't want to jinx anything, and or I hope you don't have them on your fantasy team. Um, they've uh, they've put together a bullpen that's pretty damn good and pretty damn uh, innovative. I guess is the best way to describe it because of the fact that Brian Price is willing to use guys in multiple inning roles, um, guys like Michael Lorenzen, guys like Rysel Iglesias. Uh, uh, Tony Singrani, hopefully when he gets back, if his oblique is okay uh, as well. But guys that used to be starters very, very recently ago that have kind of been put in this bullpen role. Um, But when it comes to starting pitching, uh, the Reds have tried and failed so far this year uh, with rookie Davis, with Cody Reed, with Robert Stevenson, uh, Brandon Finnegan's hurt, Anthony DiScalfani's hurt, Homer Bailey and his gigantic contractor hurt. Um, then I look at the Giants, and I, I see guys like Matt Cain, who's got tons of money owed to him and not doing much. Uh, Tim Lincecum, who they paid well, – he's not there anymore, but they paid him you know, $36 million over the last two years of his deal uh, to not really give them much as well. Um, I, I almost feel like uh, the Reds and Giants have been the two teams that have tried so hard to accumulate great pitching. The Giants almost by signing the guys that they knew were good. The Reds by trading for a lot of young prospects and and grooming prospects that hoped they were good, only to have them both kind of flame out. Um, These two teams might be the most uh, polar opposite in terms of approach, but also the the teams that have been victimized by the fact that pitching just doesn't last anymore. Right. The Giants are the perfect example of that because you have, okay, so they in 2010 – 
they they win the World Series and they've got who who do they got? They got Lincecum, they've got Kane, they've got Bumgarner, they're coming at you, they've got Sanchez. Uh then two thousand twelve comes along. <laughs> uh no. Um but <laughs> no, it's just so like they're they're coming at you and, and then two thousand twelve comes along, it's like who do they got? They got Bumgarner, they got Kane, and they look around like where's Lincecum? Oh, all right, it's okay. We got Bumgarner again. Then 2014 comes around. It's like, we got Bumgarner. Where's everyone else? Oh, <laughs> like you know, it's just it's, it's just decimated. So like every kind of run, they would lose someone. Like a, a key core component to whatever was right with the Giants is just gone. I mean, in 2012, Lincecum sort of had that run in the bullpen that got everyone excited, but he was pretty much toast. And then 2014, it was just Bumgarner, and now it's I mean Bumgarner. Hopefully, his shoulder's okay, and and that's short of how pitching goes and the Giants tried to do the right thing they tried to lock up their younger pitchers I loved the Matt Cain extension when it happened I mean right now he's 32 it, it wouldn't be outlandish for him to still be pitching at a high level at 32 it just didn't work out that way uh, the Giants have a little bit more luxury because they've got money to lock up their homegrown pitchers uh, they don't have to pick and choose like the Reds did where the Reds sort of threw a dart and said Homer Bailey you're our guy and then that flamed out the Giants can say, you're all our guys, and then they can all flame out. Um, but, it, yeah, it's it's just sort of an example of pitching's going to haunt you, pitching's going to pants you. That's just how pitching is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they obviously brought in Johnny Cueto as well, who uh, I, I guess is – uh, potentially going to opt out after this year. He's got the, the ability to do so. He's not having the best of starts to this season uh, so far, but he's also a guy who, uh, um, given the fact that he's logged so many innings and proven that he can can log so many innings, assuming it's not uh, eight pitches into the 2012 NLDS, um what, what what do you see? What what do you see with uh, with Johnny Cueto and, and the San Francisco Giants uh, for the rest of this year, especially if the Giants continue to struggle the way they're struggling right now? Oh man, that that 2012 NLDS hurts me. I, I don't know how you can subject your listeners I, to that. I was actually, I was legitimately I was in San Francisco for Game <clears throat> Two. Uh, my, me and my now wife, my fiance at the time, uh, had booked tickets to go to Monterey. We were going to spend two days in San Francisco with a college friend, and then head down the coast. And I didn't have tickets to the game because we booked the flight like three months beforehand. Um, and when I finally tried to get tickets, they were like $340 and I couldn't go. Uh, so I was there for that game watching it with a bunch of idiot giant friends of mine. It <laughs> was just jazz as all hell. And then eight pitches in, he just stops and grabs his back and I about fell over. Oh, oh man. That's brutal. So I, I do you, I mean, I'm sure you guys, you know, uh, boy, am I going to get in trouble for telling this story? I mean, is he going to hate me? But you know, Charlie Scrabbles, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he was working at the NL, uh, the SB Nation MLB desk at that time. He was he was helping us out with some news and, and stuff like that. And mm. he is uh, he's a Reds fan. And after that game two, when they just you know shellacked the Giants again, the Reds were up two nothing. He signed off with the rudest by Grant you know, seventeen A. <laughs> 32 Ys. Uh, he, and it was just. And, and I, I just, I wanted to kind of eat my computer at that point. And <laughs> I, I've never quite rubbed it in his face the way I, I really wanted to. I might have mentioned it on Twitter at one point, but uh, I would like to take this podcast to just share that anecdote. And 
I didn't oh, eat man. my computer, and it was it was funny in retrospect. Anyways, Johnny Cueto. Um, <laughs> so, so he he. Uh, I think he's pitching as well as he, he pitched last year. Uh, his, his strikeout per nine is the same. His, his, all the peripherals are the same. He's allowed more home runs, whatever. I'm not as worried about that. Seems a little fluky to me. Two by eyeballs, he seems like Johnny Cueto. Uh, maybe not as dominant as he was last year, but he, he does. I'm not looking at him going, oh, man, where did that guy go? He looks like the same guy, which to me means he's opting out. And I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that he's going to opt out and seek a, seek a much bigger payday. Uh, I think he's owed $89 million, something like that, for the next four years. He'll get that. If, if he doesn't make another pitch this season, he might get that. Uh, so I, I think he's going to opt out unless the Giants come to an, an agreement beforehand with him. And the Giants love him. Giants fans love him. Maybe. I don't know where I was, which rock I was hiding under while he was with the Reds doing all his really good stuff. But you guys know he's just a treat to watch. He's unbelievable. He's it's just like instantly one of my top 10 baseball players I've ever watched. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of ball, gentlemen. So it's, it's like he's just so fun. And I think the Giants have picked up on that. He fills a need The 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 organization isn't overflowing with pitching prospects. So I, I think they're going to pursue him very, very hard, if not try and lock him up before he decides to opt out, you know, give him a couple of years on the on the other end of his current contract, something like that. Um, but I could also see him, you know, he made a comment like, I, I kind of like the American League. I want to see what, what that's all about. Yeah. Uh, he, he might want to explore, and I don't blame him. I, I don't blame any player for wanting to sort of uh, do what you know what their heart desires when it comes to their career, which is very very finite. Um, but I, I do think the Giants will try to pursue him, and I would be shocked if he didn't opt out. He's just too good. <laughs> yeah, he is. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, like I, everything you said about that, like that that that, <laughs> that brought back so many infinite Johnny Cueto memories. Like just yeah. like the, the first time he busted out like the, the mid rotation wiggle. And yeah. it just like, like, wait, what is he doing? What does he know? How, do, how does, can he do that? Is that even legal? What are we doing here? Um, yeah. yeah, everything about yeah. the way he does, like it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's infinite competitiveness more than anything else because you can tell the guy, I, you know, the, the, the term a gamer is, you know, it's been beaten into the ground for several generations at this point, but he is that along with also being like. Uh, a, a guy who beats his FIP every single year, a guy who limits hits like nobody else, a guy who uh, almost seems to have perfected the art of like inducing soft contact. Um, and he does it with like uh, this, this flair of like, it's, it's one part uh, language barrier that he, he kind of broaches, but doesn't really do it. It's one part also just like him being incredibly identifiable by who he is. Um, but there's something about Johnny Cueto that has always been like a, incredibly engaging uh, from a fan perspective. And the fact that he has the numbers to back it up has always been, uh, yeah, like you said, he, he, he's one of my favorite, absolute, absolute favorite players to follow over the last decade or so. Yeah, he's got the, the joie de vivre. I mean, he's, he's like, because that's the thing. You mentioned the competitiveness, and he's got that. You, you, you see it when he comes off the mound, when he does something he doesn't like, when he does something he likes. He's going to show it. He's, he's not necessarily an enigmatic fellow when it comes to that. But he's also the kind of player that might one day 
offer a piggyback ride to the umpire. <laughs> and the umpire might climb on his back and take it. And you're going to say that is so Johnny Cueto. And what do you know? Pitchers don't give piggyback rides to the home plate umpire, but it would feel like, oh, that is so Johnny Cueto. Look at that guy. Just loving life. And that's that's what it feels like. So uh, I, I, I don't want to see the downside of his career when he's throwing 86 and, and the tricks aren't necessarily working. But I don't know if that's coming anytime soon in the next three, four years. So if the Giants were to work out an extension for him, I, I would be all for it. I would I would love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, one of the best, absolute, far and away best Instagram follows in the world, Johnny oh, yeah. Guido. Yes. So. Oh, yeah. It, in a ball pit on a horse. <laughs> uh, he's, it maybe, I mean, he's working toward having a horse in a ball pit. <laughs> That's, that's the next logical progression. And it's, yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's next up. It's absolutely next up. Um, uh, I, I guess uh, to kind of wrap things up, uh, what do you, where do you see the Reds going from here? Just from a, a third-party perspective, obviously we're, we're extremely biased at our end trying to you know, figure out what the Reds can do to maintain the momentum they've got to start the season. Uh, do they go out and trade for a starting pitcher? Do they, do they trade away Rysel Iglesias to, to restock a restocked farm? Um, what do you see with this Reds team as they are right now? Where would you uh, like to see them go if things continue to be as, uh, as, as rosy as they are in our side of the, uh, the universe these days? The number one thing I'm looking at as an outside observer for the Reds is to see that they can get one, two, three of those starting pitchers over the hump. Uh, you know, it's, it's been kind of a rough road with Brandon Finnegan with injuries, and it's it's hard to separate, well, what's just his body and what is the organization, what is, uh, you know, what is... It, unavoidable and what is fixable and what can an organization do to kind of take uh, this lump of clay and make them into something special. So I want to see that from the Reds. And, and you've got some sort of positive sides with, with Amir Garrett. Uh, you, you know, Brandon Finnegan, if he comes back, you want to see something like that. Um, but I, I don't think we have proof yet that they know how to cobble together another starting rotation after that amazing 2012 rotation uh i, I guess one of them's still there um bronson arroyo who really is in rehab somewhere but yeah <laughs> yeah in, in a round of in a roundabout way uh so i want to see you know because they've they've had so many uh Descalfani and, and uh, uh singrani and they've had all these weird kind of mix and match inside and outside the rotation that you know singrani has been moving back and forth i guess he, he's permanent bullpen right now right well like, yeah yeah, yeah probably yeah, prob- if, if his shoulder actually holds up and his oblique gets right and everything else kind of comes to complete perfectness yeah he'll be in he'll be a bullpen arm at this point but yeah he's not even that because he can't stay healthy so Right. I mean, it's just that would be if I'm looking at I don't I don't worry about the the Reds necessarily coming up with runs, coming up with offense. Uh, I I think they've they've sort of not proven, but semi proven that they can take raw players and turn them into functional hitting players at the major league level. They have three examples on their roster, four if you include if you include Cozart, uh, which you probably should. And that's a heck of a track record. So now it, it's a matter of getting that Garrett, getting the the, the Finnegan, uh, getting the the Dick. Lass- 
had Dave Sclafani. Man, that just messes me up. Disco. Um, <laughs> yeah. But getting those guys and uh, showing that they can get one or two of them, fill in the gaps on the other end with – uh, whatever random free agents that they pick up, what it, Bronson Arroyo or Scott Feldman, just you know next year's version. I, I think that's the next step. Figuring out if they can do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, aside from that, just any Joey Votto thoughts? Because Joey Votto is he's he, he's our rock. He's our he's our fifty win above replacement first baseman who continues to find ways to uh, defy the odds. He keeps. Hitting balls all over the place. He keeps walking. He keeps hitting home runs. He does everything he possibly can to not just be good, but to make us wonder why he is as good as he is. What do you think about Joey Votto? All right. So clearly a first baseman, top tier first baseman on a Hall of Fame path. When I think of him, like kind of like a, a Rorschach test, just like, what do you think of, you know, word association? Number one is surly. He's surprisingly surly to me from the outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> just just a really grumbly, furrowed brow, kind of red-ass player that you might not expect from our sweet, sweet neighbors up north. Um, he's just he, – he seems like he always wants to just kind of bite someone's nose off. And not in a physical way, but just in a stare kind of way. He just wants to stare someone's nose off. <laughs> um, so, so that's number one. Number two is as a Giants fan, there's a gif that's very popular in our circles of Javier Lopez striking him out. Oh, where well, he almost just kneecapped, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's an amazing just chef-kissing fingers <laughs> gif. And that it, to, when you do word association, you think of, I think, Surly, Javier Lopez, and the obviously incredible baseball player uh, on a Hall of Fame path. But uh, that that's what I know about him. And it, it – it's odd that, you know, in my capacity as a national baseball writer, that I've, I've for three years I've sort of been looking at this idea of, well, who would want Joey Votto with that contract? And I've never written that article. And as time progresses and the contract seems more and more reasonable, it's it, it's kind of it's getting to be kind of a weird question because I can see why Cincinnati would never ever want to give him up, both the city and the organization. At the same time, he's starting to to be a player that people would really want, even if he's even if he's going to make twenty five million dollars a year until he's forty. Um, so it, he's kind of a fascinating player, but also surly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's completely true. I mean, we here we are talking about uh, Johnny Cueto over age thirty with four years and eighty nine million dollars left on his contract, talking about opting out, and then looking at Joey Votto with what he's got left on his deal, which obviously is more than that. He's got one hundred and sixty some million dollars left on his deal, um, but that contract looks increasingly better and better by the swing. Um, and yeah. I, I, I did some preliminary research on this and I didn't actually get through with it. So I'm not sure if it's totally true. Um, but I did make sure at least for the next three or four years that he's not going to be one of the most eight highest paid players in major league baseball for at least the next three years, which to me says, Hey, this guy's hit like three thirty, like four fifty, five fifty. Maybe that should be the case. Maybe this isn't as bad of a deal 
as people panned it for on the front end. But put it this way, I, I look up and say, hey, there's a lot of first basemen in, this, in Major League Baseball that can't sniff what Joey Votto does at this moment. Uh, we get to watch him every day, day in, day out. And it's, uh, you know, for at least, especially the last two years while the Reds have been god-awful in the standings, uh, what he's done and what he's continued to do this year, too, um, has really been kind of a generationally defining baseball player for Cincinnati Reds baseball. And uh, I hope he gets a chance to have another uh, uh, run. I hope this core gives him that chance to uh, to really kind of take that next step forward and be back on the national stage because I think he deserves it. And I think he's pretty much the best left-handed hitter in baseball and has been for Wait. long Wait, do another – wait, ask me for word association again with Joey Votto. All right, so not Surly, but what is Joey Votto word association? Three words. Runs batted in. <laughs> Where are they, pal? Where are they? I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his ledger since 2011. It's all two digits. Give me so some wait. runs, pal. So where, where where was Billy Hamilton leadoff hitter's debut and all of that with his uh, his, <laughs> his his .14 non-base percentage? No, no. See, when I, I don't, I don't know how it happened, but like all of a sudden, when I want to talk about Joey Votto's runs batted in, I'm like slipping into Frank Sinatra's Sinatra group from Saturday Night Live. I was like, "Hey, pal, like, listen, you gotta give me some runs, pal. You gotta drive them in. That's what you're paid to do. Don't give me no funny business." Like, <laughs> but, but no, he's 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 good. <laughs> he's good and you should feel lucky to watch him because I mean I'm 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 on his page right now looking at these stats and oh my goodness it's it's uh it's it's fantastic to look at these numbers and just see how many times he hasn't disappointed the people watching him. So when he's got a 434 on base percentage, that means that when you're watching Joey Votto, you're not gonna go, ah, I'm disappointed in this result so often. And that's as someone who grew up watching Barry Bonds. That's I know the value of that. I mean, it's it's they're they're kind of apples and oranges, but I know the value of someone not making an out, and it's it's a very very nice feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the absolute truth. And my my favorite thing I think about Joey Votto is he almost always seems to be out there to fix the one part of his game that wasn't right the last time he tried it. He emphasized right. he emphasized so much of the uh, the winner that his defense, which slipped last year, not just in the metrics but like the eye test. You could tell he just he, he wasn't right on defense, whether it was the knee issues that he dealt with or the lack of concentration, whatever. Uh, but he dedicated himself and said, "I know that's what's what I screwed up on. I'm going to fix it." You look up this year, like this time last year, which was his worst start to his career before he hit 400. 709,000 to finish the season. Um, he was striking out at a, at a career worst rate through the first portion of the season. Now he's got 24 walks and 17 strikeouts in 33 games. It's almost like he's trying deliberately not to strike out because that's what was screwed up this time last year. And he's doing it and succeeding too, which just like it's, it's, he's got a mastery of the ability to hit baseballs and, and to not swing and not hit baseballs at balls that aren't worth hitting. Uh, more so than I think I've ever seen anybody else in my life. And that's, that's to me, he makes me think about baseball. And for somebody who follows baseball, that is as intriguing an aspect as being good at baseball. And the fact that he does both of them equally as well uh, is, is easily why, he's probably why I got started trying to follow baseball in the first place, because the guy is a, he's a, he's a mystery and he's impressive while doing it. Now, I, I mean, as the Giants fan, I need to get the last word on this, and that is that in 2007, 
Barry Bonds had a 480 on base percentage, which is higher than Joey Votto has ever had. And the rest of baseball said, nah, we don't need this guy on our team. <laughs> and that was the last season that Barry Bonds ever played. That was it. Like That, that, was, that it. was it. Just, yeah. Everyone's like, nah, we don't need the distraction. Yeah. And he had a higher on-base percentage than Votto has ever had. Oh. And I just like Votto as that kind of comparison as to say – you idiots. Like we could have had two, three, four more years of Barry Bonds. I don't care if he's eating unicorn horn or whatever he's doing to do this. Just let him do it. Um, anyways, so I, don't know how, I, I don't know why you guys brought up Barry Bonds. We were talking about Joey Votto. He, he, he did have a 474 on base percentage in 2012 before Pablo Sandoval ate his leg. He was close. Is that what happened? Was it Pablo Sandoval at his leg? Yeah, he slid into third base and Sandoval went for the tag and fell over on him and he tore his meniscus or whatever the hell it was that caused basically two and a half years of not Joey Votto, Joey Votto. Oh, I didn't oh. I didn't piece those pieces together. Well, I'm not a big Sandoval fan anymore either, so <laughs> hey, I'm on your side. <laughs> No, I, 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 that, that's so funny. Like the, the glasses that you wear when you're following another team were like, you guys know that. Like, <laughs> like you know that that player did that to him. You know, I know Taiwan Walker is the guy who hit Buster Posey in the head, which <laughs> led to them uh, releasing or trading Clayton Blackburn because they needed an emergency catcher on the 40-man roster. So I know that. But a, a Diamondbacks fans be like, what? Taiwan Walker did what? Yeah. So I, I hear you. Yeah. I, I, on behalf of the Giants organization, I, I apologize. Yeah, R- rookie Davis hit uh, Ian Desmond in the hand and broke it for you know in in spring training this year. He was missed eight weeks to start his seventy million dollar contract with the Rockies. Yeah, it's it, oh that that's all right. All, all, all that yeah yeah exactly in the West. You got <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. It's never all right. Uh, I, I abhor <laughs> injuries in all forms. Uh, yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Grant, thank you, yeah. thank you, big time for coming on with us. That we really, really appreciate. Yeah, that. thank, thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Grant. Absolutely, thanks, uh, thanks, you guys for having me. And hopefully, next series will will be a little more fair, like just a little, <laughs> at least like it, it beat us thirty to fifteen over three games. Like that, I, I will accept that as opposed to. Th- 31 to 5 or something. That was oh. just abhorrent. That was, uh, oh, my goodness. Well, we have no Amir well, Garrett at this point. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, who, which, which, yeah, whichever pitcher pitchers we have can step up. Whee! But I will I will leave you with this. I do have Russell Iglesias on my fantasy team. So sleep tight. Oh, oh. There you go. God, oh. he's doomed. He's doomed. <laughs> I'm going to go get some bubble wrap and find it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, make sure to uh, follow Grant on Twitter at McCoveyCron and uh, check out his website at McCovey Chronicles on SB Nation. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. And uh, we will see you next time.